1: The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal,
2: or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Beyond Reality Radio with Jason and JV. And we've got... We've got a really interesting show tonight. Um, We're going to be joined by Scott Walter. He's a forensic geologist. Uh, He's also best known for the History Channel's hit show, America Unearthed, which I know you've watched, Jim. I've watched many times. And uh, it, uh, it covers the truth behind controversial historical artifacts and sites found through North America and beyond. Um, well, a, a lot of that stuff doesn't get, you know,
1: headlines. It doesn't get a lot
2: of notoriety. And, uh, well, it's kept in the dark, and yeah. I don't know if that's to protect science, uh, the science that we're, or the history that we're all taught to believe or what, but it's really kept. Kept out there. I mean, really hushed down. It is, and it's uh,
1: you know you come you come across a guy like Scott, and he tells you this is happening, that's happening,
2: and you just opened your eyes to ho- so many things that you just didn't know what was going on. Well, we'll also be talking about the Kensington Rune Stone, which uh, was found in a farmer's field uh, out in Minnesota, I believe it was, Jim. Yep. yep. And uh, which shows well. I, mean, I know there's been a lot of controversy on it. Some people think it was it was fake. Some people believe it's real. Um, but if it is real, then it would show that the Knights Templar made it at least that far into what we now call North America.
1: Well, and as we'll learn from Scott, um, that stone is only one of many similar things that have been found around uh, North America, particularly in New England, and even the connection to Oak Island. There are a lot of things that uh, that kind of connect here that make you think. Okay, well, let's say uh, the um, you know the Kensington Stone is not legitimate well are all these all these others these dozens of others not legitimate too i mean there's a connection there so they all frauds or i mean i I think it'd
2: be one or the other well years ago they did a show and they were covering a rock that we had in narragansett bay here in in rhode island and it had carvings um you could only see it during certain low tides but it had these all these carvings that were from the vikings and it showed that they were here and uh it's sad because you know i remember like five or six, seven years ago, somebody had said that the stone was gone. So somebody mm-hmm. literally had removed Taking the stone. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, that that sucks. But it but it it is neat when you look back at the history and you're like, wow, well there were people here long before Christopher Columbus. And
1: uh yeah, well let's bring him into the show. Scott, uh welcome to Beyond Reality Radio. It's great to have you on the program.
0: Hey guys, thanks for having me. Um I'm looking forward to it. This should be fun.
2: Absolutely. So and it's uh it's an honor to have you on. I'm, we're we're happy to have you here. There's just so much to talk about.
0: <laughs> well, it's my pleasure and what are you, what are you up for tonight? Well,
1: before we get into the nitty-gritty of everything, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to uh doing the work that you do.
0: Wow. Well, uh, <clears throat> let's see. I guess you have to go back to um I studied uh, geology in college and graduated from uh University of uh, Minnesota Duluth and uh, worked uh, a few interesting jobs when I first got out of school, including as a field geologist. But I eventually got hired uh, to be a field geologist working in the testing industry. And I did that back, uh, started in May of 85. And five years later, I got an opportunity to start my own forensic laboratory with American companies. Uh, And I did that uh, called American Petrographic Services, and basically what I've done for the last 27 years um, at that business is run a materials forensic laboratory, basically doing autopsies on concrete and rock. And what happened was one day about 16, almost 17 years ago, this large rectangular stone was brought into my lab by a museum in Minnesota that said, hey, we'd like you to study the Kensington runestone for us and I said, what's that? <laughs> I didn't know what it was. <laughs> I'd never heard of it. And uh, anyway, they said, we'd like you to try to help us, uh, you know, figure out geologically if this inscription is old or not. And of course, the the question was, is this thing a modern hoax, or is it a uh, a genuine medieval historical artifact? And if so, it would be very important. And so, I went to work on it. I did a tombstone study, and I concluded that the weathering was old, therefore it must be genuine, and I wrote my report, and I presented my findings at a conference, and that's when it started. I, uh, I was just assuming that they would accept it. I thought to myself, oh, good for them. They got one, and I was just going to get on with my life. Well, not so fast. Uh, <laughs> I was uh, roundly criticized and attacked, uh, attacked for basically daring to tread on a sacred historical paradigm that I didn't even know existed, and that is that nobody was here from other continents uh, in North America prior to Chris, you know, Columbus. And um, at first I was confused, and uh, and then I got then I got pissed, and I said to myself, I'm going to get to the bottom of this, and that's what I've been doing. Ever since, and uh, this work led to a, a documentary that aired on History Channel, called Holy Grail in America, which chrono- uh, chronicled the um, uh, the legendary trip of Prince Henry Sinclair, who brought the treasure to North America. Which this was a great, which was American.
2: a great show. It really wasn't. So,
0: well, we had so much fun doing that. It was it was really uh, a great show and and a chance to present intelligent. In, you know, information and and entertainment in, in a way that I thought was fun, and that led to America on Earth because that show did really well. Um, in fact, I think it's still the most successful documentary. Yeah, it was a
2: number. It yeah. was a number one series ever on uh, History too, and. Uh... Yeah, which I'm surprised yeah. it's still not on because it it was a great done show. And even though there were definitely a lot of things that were controversial, um I still think it it was just a great show. You guys you guys did a wonderful job getting in there and and really trying to get to a lot of the truth behind it.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, we 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 did give it our best effort and you know, you have to understand that television is is an entertainment business and um you have to find a happy medium between, you know, entertaining you know, people watching the show and and doing good, hard scientific investigations as, as legitimately and honestly as you can. And, you know, because that's what I've done all my life. And so I think we found a good balance there. And I can tell you that I never said anything that I didn't believe to be true. And I think some people were upset that I didn't draw, you know, definitive conclusions every time. Well, if you don't have enough evidence to do that, it's, not appropriate, so you don't do it. And
2: but I, I do agree with that. It's it's tough, because as people going out and investigating, the nice thing is, I don't have... To, I, of course, concern myself for the people watching it. I want them to be able to enjoy the show. But we're going out, and just like you, you're going out and investigating. You're doing what you're doing and then hoping that a production company is able to put it together in a positive manner and uh, tell the story in, in a good light, so in an enjoyable light.
0: Well, you want to be able to look yourself in the mirror and say, hey, we gave it our best shot. And let's face it, you don't find something every time. I mean,
2: That's right. I,
0: I'm, I'm sure that was the case with you. And, and when you do have something that interesting happens or you, you really have a revelation, then it really means something. Because, you know, let's face it, sometimes uh, there are shows out there where they're making it up in some cases. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, we didn't do that and, and Sometimes we got criticized. People said, "Well, you know, how come you didn't find this? How come you didn't find that?" And I said, "Well, <laughs> sometimes you don't find something every time." And, That's right. Yeah, uh, but we did draw some really good conclusions, and I think we made a difference in many cases. And and I'm I'm happy with that.
2: Now, Scott, this the Kensington runestone, Stone. Um, yeah. It had it had markings on it. It had writings on it. And for it to be real, uh, of course, uh, it would mean that the Knights Templar made it. That far, can, yeah. correct?
1: Can can we? Yes. F- oh, I'm anyway. sorry. I just want to ask a preceding question that may may um, lead into this. F- what is the the Kensington Rune Stone? There are people oh, who just okay. don't know.
2: <laughs> sorry, I just threw that out
1: there. I no, know. no.
0: Hey, listen, I'm I'm with you guys. I I get ahead of myself all the time. I just assume that everybody knows everything right. that I know and, about and, the and, Rune Stone. I forget sometimes. They don't we, even know what it is. And we know?
1: know, but I know there are people asking in chat. They're right, just not. They're just right. not familiar with it. So give us the ABCs yeah. of it first, then go to Jason's right. question.
0: Sure. Okay. Well, in uh, in the fall of 1898, a Swedish immigrant farmer uh, was clearing trees in preparation for farming on his roughly 100-acre parcel of property in uh, northwestern Minnesota, about two hours from my house, and they tipped over – he and his two oldest sons tipped over this roughly 30-year-old aspen tree, and tightly wrapped in the roots was this 202-pound stone with the long inscription carved in uh, Scandinavian medieval runes. Um, in the old Swedish language, and basically the message says eight goss and 22 northmen on this acquisition business or taking up land far to the west of Vinland. Uh, We had a camp near two shelters, one day's journey north from the stone. Uh, We were fishing one day after we came home, found ten men, red from blood and death, and then three Latin letters, AVM. And then it says, save from evils on the split side. There are three more lines, and it says, uh, have ten men by the sea with our ships, 14 days journey from this island, year 1362, which I would remind the audience is 130 years before Chris. Supposedly, yeah. didn't the guy that didn't set foot on the continent that already had millions of people living here. Just want to clarify that for the
2: audience. Well, and even beyond that, though, there's, there's evidence to support that the Vikings were here long before Christopher Columbus as well.
0: Well, I think that's already been established. Nobody doubts that...
2: Well, uh, I know, but Lawrence of course it's metal. not listed in history yeah. books. <laughs> <So. Yeah.
0: laughs> well, you know, it, 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 history changes, some people say, one death at a time. And uh, it's really it's really sad, to be honest with you, because I work in a hard science field, and you know i do these these investigations and i have to draw a conclusion based on the evidence that we compile and you know explain why something happened that went wrong with the concrete or the rock and then who's responsible for it because they want to they want to know who, who's going to pay and so i'm i'm very cognizant of, of, of that and i don't draw a conclusion unless i have the evidence to support it and whether i'm talking about concrete or a historical artifact The process is the same, and, you know, the the responsibility is the same. So when I said the Kensington runestone was real, I meant it. And I will tell you this right now, guys. I've made this formal challenge many times publicly, and I'll do it again. I would be more than happy to have a mock trial and testify to the evidence that I have against anybody in the world, the top runic expert in the world, any of the, of the doubters, the debunkers, anyone, and I can guarantee you what will happen. The attorney for the other side will sit down and say, okay, guys, what do you got for evidence? Well, so-and-so said he was uh, this and that. Well, what evidence do you have for that? Well, there isn't any. The point is, is that there is no evidence to support the fact that it's a late 19th century hoax. And how could there be if it's indeed genuine? And this is the thing that a lot of people don't understand about our business. If you have voluminous evidence in multiple disciplines that are consistent with the runestone being a medieval artifact, which is the case, then how can there possibly be evidence to support the contrary? It can't exist. Do you follow what I'm saying? Exactly. We
1: have about 30 seconds before we have to take a break, (laughs) Scott, but I want to ask you a quick question before we do go to break. Did people test it before you, or were you the first?
0: Well, that's a great question. I did not find out until after I had reached my conclusion that the former, the first state geologist of Minnesota, a guy by the name of Newton Winchell, a giant in the field of geology, not just in Minnesota, but in in the country, studied it before I did, almost 100 years before I did.
1: Okay. Don't don't tell us what he said until we come back from break. We'll hold it until after the break. It's beyond reality radio with Jason and JV. Don't go away. More to come. The question we asked before we went to break was: Did anybody ever? Did anybody look at the stone in a from a scientific perspective before you did? And the answer was yes. Take it from there.
0: Okay. Well, the yeah, and and this was really. Um, uh, kind of a, a, a tense moment for me because I had already reached my conclusion, and then I found out that this this uh, giant in geology in Minnesota, the University of Minnesota Geology Department is called Winchell Hall, and uh, Newton H. Winchell, first state geologist of Minnesota, I'll tell you how smart this guy was, this is a true story. He was the scientist that traveled with General George Custer when he went into the Black Hills for the first time. And he was the one that basically documented the gold and the minerals in the Black Hills. But the last trip that that Winchell took with Custer was the one before the Little Bighorn. That is absolutely a true story. That's how smart that guy was.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It says Um, a lot. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's a true story. But anyway... um, when I found out that Winchell had studied the runestone, of course, I went, oh my goodness, if if, if he came to a different conclusion, my life is over, right? So I ended up spending a n- number of months at the Minnesota Historical Society reading his files, reading about his history, his family, and his research on the runestone. And I'll never forget when I found his field notebook that had been missing for a number of years, from his days when he was studying the stone, went up and talked to the farmer and looked around the grounds. And then I found the letter where he wrote his conclusion, and this is what he said. The said stone is not a modern forgery and must be accepted as a genuine record of exploration in Minnesota at the date stated in the inscription. And I read this, and I just went, whew. But then I thought about it, and I said, you know, I really shouldn't have been nervous. Because, in reality, all I did was independently replicate what he already did, and isn't that the scientific method?
1: Right. Now, it's interesting to note that um, his conclusion was basically the same as yours, yet um it wasn't it seemingly wasn't accepted, or they wouldn't have had you reevaluate it, right?
0: Well, yeah, and, and, you know, the whole history of the investigations of the Runestone stone is, is a fascinating study in itself because basically what happened when the stone was found, within six months, um, it was looked at by an expert at the University of Minnesota, uh, a guy that, by the name of Olus Breda who was a professor of Scandinavian languages who looked at, you know, the inscription. And, and based on what we know today, Nobody at that time had even a snowball's chance of figuring out what that inscription said. But the problem was, is these people were so arrogant that, well, if I don't know what it is, then it must be nothing, right? Um, it didn't even occur to them to say, well, gee, you know what? I I don't know what this is. Maybe we need to uh, not say anything and just wait and, and get more information. That's not what happened. And that's what a normal scientific investigator would would do who was honest and objective but instead what they did is say well it must be a hoax and and, and that's it but what happens in, in in certain levels of academia is that once one of their one of their own says something the rest of them aren't going to embarrass them they're not going to come up and challenge them especially if they don't know what they're talking about which was the case here so Breda set a very important precedent and then three more runologists in Sweden shortly after that looked at it, didn't understand it, didn't have they, – they looked at a copy of the translation, not at the actual artifact, and they all came to the same conclusion that it was a hoax. And then a few years later, Winchell came out with his decision, this is a hard scientist who used scientific method and came to a different conclusion. And nobody challenged him because, quite frankly, they couldn't. Yeah. But unfortunately, a few years after he came to that conclusion, he died, so they basically ignored him until he was forgotten, and then the next generation of runologists and Scandinavian um, uh, scholars came forward, and they basically came to that same conclusion. But, um It just—it was just a poor job, and and I don't know what else to say.
2: Well, I mean, even beyond that, uh, when you're you're looking back to when the stone was found, uh, I mean, the odds of somebody uh, creating a forgery and knowing the writing, knowing (laughs) uh, knowing the the symbols and and things to use, I think would be extremely extremely far fetched or just very very rare to have somebody who who no, it's
0: it's impossible. I mean it would have been impossible. I
2: mean right there should have been grounds it should have been grounds for them to really look at it.
0: Well, it, it, you know what? It's you're talking about what I call um the human element. Um problems of the human condition and you know, you guys have been involved in investigations. You've met many different kinds of people. My gosh, in 12 yeah. years of doing television, you could probably write a whole series well, of books but, about but even, your experience.
2: But but Scott, even not not thinking about that, as, as you were saying, like television, yeah, but even we, we handle cases for churches and, and stuff where we've gone into locations to write preliminary reports on so-called possessions or demonic, uh, demonic uh, activity in a home. And we go into these homes, and there's been cases where there's been writings that somebody in the house could be a, a 12 year old, 13 year old uh, kid or or older in the house has written words in Latin and language that there's no way that this, this person would, would know, would be able to piece these things how, together. How, how
0: could they have done that? Yeah. Exactly.
2: So that, that's why I sit here and I think, well, you're talking a stone that was found in way out in Minnesota in, in, way back when, and it's not like. It, right now, okay, you could browse the internet. you could find you could find these things, probably piece piece together some sort of a uh, some sort oh, but, of yeah, exactly. Right. But, but back, back then, then, no
0: no. and and the other thing is is that there is there's symbols on here that are absolutely not found in the runic record because they're secret coded symbols that the Knights Templar used. and if if you don't understand, a secret society, and let alone the secret communication methods that they had. How the hell are you even going to begin to figure this thing out? That was part of the problem. And many of these symbols, they said just flat out never existed. Well, when I did my geology, it told me that it was real. you got to understand something. I trust rocks. I don't trust people. Rocks don't care. Rocks don't have personalities. Rocks don't have... You know, good days and bad days, they just are. And so I trust rocks, and I knew that the rock was telling me the truth. So if it's old and it's genuine, that means that everything in that inscription has to exist somewhere. You just have to go and look. And that's what I did. I took five trips to Sweden, found everything.
1: Now, Scott, I, I believe there's a connection to some, uh, uh, at least there was evidence found uh, in Sweden that um, uses the same r- runic system or runic code, which predates anything modern. Therefore, it kind of adds to the legitimacy of the whole thing, right?
0: Well, yes. And actually, there have been a number of a number of documents that have been found that are coming out now that, that predate... Um, you know, the late 19th century. The specific documents you're talking about are something called the Larson Papers that were found in a um, a museum in northern Sweden that belonged to uh, a guy named Edward Larson, who was actually a Freemason, that had a uh, um, an alphabet that contained many of the so-called uh, symbols that never existed, according to the experts. And, of course, when they were found and... And, brought, and, and made public, of course, the first thing that they didn't do was admit, well, gee, we might have made a mistake or we were wrong. They said, oh, no, uh, these things may have existed in modern times, so we're going to stick by it's a fake conclusion. I mean, it's just mystifying to me. But, you know, they just find different ways to uh, to maintain the status quo. And, you know, I think it's partly due to the fact that there's just – this reticence to admit that that there were things that happened that um, we didn't know before or had been kept secret and really the truth of the matter is these missions when the Templars were coming here after the Vikings um, had been here around the year 1000 uh, they came here for centuries but they did it quietly they weren't telling everybody where they were going or what they were doing for strategic reasons and just because we didn't know about it doesn't mean that it didn't happen. And, and does and that now, mean does now that, some of that evidence is coming out?
1: Does that mean they weren't uh, interested in, interested in settlements or colonization at that point?
0: Well, at first they weren't, but you know, after the put down happened in 1307, and the Templars were outlawed in Europe, you know, there were a lot of reasons. And and I mean, you have to, when you're looking at something like this, you also have to do the basic things in any scientific investigation. You know, first of all, did they have the means? Well, they certainly had the money. Uh, They had the finest sailing fleet in the world at that time. They certainly could have sailed. And, you know, it's not like they couldn't go anywhere they wanted. Of course they did. Did they have the motivation? Absolutely. They were outlawed. They were literally being hunted down, tortured, and burned. So, you know, that's a good motivation. The other thing that people haven't thought about is that not only were they, you know, um... Um, sick and tired of, of being hunted and, and, and outlawed. But there were plagues that were ravaging through Europe. In some places, more than half the people died. Yeah. And, you know, this is another reason. Why should I stick around here? I'll go. I'll go take my chances in a land where... And this is a really key point that many people do not understand. And even academics today don't understand for the simple reason that they haven't bothered to reach out to Native Americans to truly understand what their ideology is. Their ideology is that they are a matriarchal culture. Uh, they revere the sacred feminine. This is what, is, what at, is at the core of Freemasonry and Templarism. And I'll be honest with you, I'm a Freemason, and 99% of the guys that that I go to lodge with don't get this. They they don't understand it. A very, very few do. But the Templars did. That was the essence of their ideology, and it was compatible with Native Americans, and that is why they were able to strategically align with each other. And I can guarantee you one thing, because I've reached out to Native cultures, and they've shared their knowledge with me. They know all about the Templars that were here, by the way. The reason we don't know about them knowing is that little genocide thing that happened when they yeah. came over?
2: Yeah, small, yeah.
0: The, yeah, that little problem. I mean, the bottom line is 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 native native people don't care what white people think. They don't care about our questions about our history. They know what it is, but because of that little issue, they won't bother to to talk to us. However, what's really fascinating is that if you take the time to listen to them, Spend time with them, respect their culture, and listen. And if you can gain their trust, they'll be happy to tell you what happened. They've yeah. done that to me. And, and I they, ag- they've told me.
2: I agree with that. I, I work with uh, with many Native American Indians, everybody from uh, the Cherokees up in uh, North Carolina, spent a lot yep. of time on the reservation down to, well, in Rhode Island, we've got... Uh, well, you've got the Mohegans, you've got uh, just Narragansett Indian tribe and all that. So, and I, I've Wampanoag
0: worked. And, yeah. and uh, the Mi'kmaq up in Nova Scotia. Well, and they, and exactly. that's
2: uh, bringing up Nova Scotia. All right. So, this timeline with this uh, mm-hmm. Kensington rune stone, is yeah. it before or after the Templars would have supposedly made it towards like Oak Island and all, uh, all those locations in Nova Scotia?
3: Well,
0: they were coming over here starting probably around. I don't know when the first trip was, but I would say it probably began in the middle of the 12th century, probably around 1150 or so. And they were coming over here regularly. And, I mean, let's face it, you've got a continent over here that's got lumber, which was huge back then. You've got in the northern banks up there, off the coast of Nova Scotia, some of the best fishing in the world. The cod was like the finest fish in the world. The Basque had been going there for centuries to get fish. You've got mineral wealth here. You've got copper laying all over the place in the Great Lakes region. You've got gold. You've got—I um, mean—you've got all kinds of furs. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. um, and, and 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 so what are you going to do? I mean, look, guys, if you've got a, a a hot fishing hole or a great hunting spot, are you going to tell anybody? You're a fool if you do.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah. So the so you know? but their their trip to. Uh the Oak Island would have, been, would have predated all the, the runestone, correct?
0: Yes, it would have. Okay. And actually, the party that, that carved the runestone came over in 1358, um, and this would have been four years before the runestone was carved, and their mission was to establish a settlement. Um, one of the discoveries that we made in studying the runestone when I was working with a couple of runologists who actually were brave enough to step out of the norm. Um, they, they've since uh, <laughs> gone back to the old ways. But um, one of the discoveries we made was for a long time, the first line of the inscription was thought to be uh, journey of discovery. Well, what's journey of discovery? Big deal. Um, but actually, we discovered one of the runes they thought meant one thing, meant something else, which changed that phrase to journey of acquisition or taking up land. Um, now, I, I will be in the interest of full disclosure, I have information that has not been made public yet um, that deals with the Stone, That that That's why I'm telling you these details about the timing. We know when they came. We know what their mission was, and they never came back. And I've always wondered, you know, what happened to those guys? And we do have some information about that from the natives. They assimilated with native tribes. And they they lived out their lives, they they married, they had families, and uh, eventually they assimilated with the natives. And we wouldn't know them, you know, um, what has it been, almost 700 years later, we wouldn't know them. Um, Although DNA, we might know them. (laughs) So stay tuned on that.
1: I, I, I'm curious about um, other scientists that have tested the stone that may d- disagree with your findings. Um, are there any that pop out to you that you think, wow, I respect that person enough to th- to, re- to maybe second-guess the results I came to or the conclusion I came to? Does anybody stand Negative.
0: out? Negative. Negative. Um, first off, runology and, and language are not scientific disciplines, in my opinion. Now, they would... They would argue with that, but they're clearly opinion-driven disciplines. And if you look at the history of the investigations, you can see that it's it's uh, it's not a scientific discipline. Now, is geology a, a hardcore science? Of course it is. Um, and I can tell you that there is nobody who's done any meaningful work on the runestone that has come to a different conclusion. In reality, the only people that have done any meaningful work um, of any kind is really Winchell and myself. Um, you know, it was it was just not an interest of study because it was put down and and nobody really took the time until I came along. And I it's not that I was this great guy. I got paid for my initial investigation, but in the end, um, I came to the same conclusion as Winchell, and so would any other geologist. My my work was peer reviewed. It's been looked at by. Uh, by numerous uh, other geologists, and they say it's fine. So uh, it's not heavy lifting. I can tell you this. The work we did on the runestone geologically was was, if, if I was to testify in a court of law, which I've done many times, this would be a layup.
1: Now Jason brought up Oak Island, and we talk about Oak Island quite a bit on the show. Yeah. What's the connection between what the inscription on the Kensington rune stone and uh the ninety foot stone from oak island? Nothing. Th- nothing is it the same runic language?
0: No no, they're not runes. those are what's on the well, here's the first thing I, I, I've been to Oak Island a couple of times, and one of the reasons I went there was to try to to see this stone. And after I had done my, and, and, and admittedly, it was a very brief investigation, but I, I couldn't even determine if it ever existed at all. So I've never seen it. And, and to be honest with you, um, speculating on, on drawings of what it's supposed to be, because I've seen a couple of different drawings and they don't match at all, it's really hard to talk about something unless you actually see the artifact. But based on the pictures I've seen, the symbols on that stone look more like uh, a Masonic cipher than Scandinavian runes. Okay. So, um, it it's not the same. And so I I I don't know what it is, but I got to tell you something. 90 feet, 150 feet, 200 feet in the ground. To me that's ridiculous. And I'll tell you why. If well, you I said
2: that to Jim the other day. Just as a guy I, I'm I'm a plumber by trade, but I also I've worked construction and everything else. And just to think first off with the tools today, it's pretty tough to get down that deep. Yes. So, if you're yes. talking about doing this hundreds and hundreds of years ago, um I, I just don't know, especially with when I when I dig, I, I have a trench box because the walls cave in, and oh, yeah. it's it's just becomes insane. So kind of scary to think trying to get down that deep that
3: long ago.
0: Well, no, it didn't happen, and it just flat out didn't happen. And and I can say that for a couple of reasons. One, I know how deep they buried the treasures. It wasn't even close to that. And here is the other thing. I mean. You know, people contact me all the time about this and say, well, how deep do you think they buried it? And what about the tunnels and what about this and what about that and the flood tunnels and all that? And I'm just like, let's just think about this logically, okay? If the Templars brought this thing over hundreds of years before the continent was settled by Europeans, okay, why would you need to dig tunnels, okay? There's nobody to see you. (laughs) There's nobody there. You don't have to hide, okay? You could dance around with the treasure above your head, and it doesn't matter. (laughs) Nobody's going to see it, okay? Second of all, isn't the point of burying something in the ground to hide it, if they don't know where it is, does it matter if it's one foot in the ground or a 1,000 feet in the ground?
2: That's true. Does it matter? Right.
0: No. I mean, if you don't know where it is, you're not going to find it. It doesn't matter how deep it is. Secondly... The flood tunnels? Really?
2: That's pretty advanced.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. It's called the water table, okay? I mean, <laughs> it's a glacial and moraine. I am a geologist. I, I, I live in Minnesota. It's a glacial quaternary geology region. I know all about this stuff. That's a terminal and moraine island on the ocean. It's sand, gravel, and boulders. So when, and, and water moves through it like a sieve. So when you dig down below the level of the ocean, guess what? Water's going to fill in. That's all it is. I mean, it's just nonsense <laughs> to be yeah. listening. I mean, I'm sorry, I hate to be a so, buzzkill about so, yeah, Oak Island. So what, but you're, it's sa- just
1: what you're saying silly. is, no matter how many, how many episodes of The Curse of Oak Island Jason and I watch, we could we're, just we're, give it up.
0: Now, we're not going to yeah. find anything, <laughs> guys. guys I hate to break it to you. There's <laughs> I mean, nothing there. No, I mean, you I mean, think, I mean you Scott, think... You, I
2: think you just saved me a couple hours every
0: Tuesday night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm such a jerk. God. No, no I mean, you're honest. Here, here, here's another thing, okay? All right, first of all, the depth of the treasure doesn't matter. And second of all, let's say they brought over religious relics as part of the treasure, which they did. And you're hiding this, okay? And let's say the church is after it because they were, and they know where you hit it, okay? They know it's right here, 10X or the money pit or whatever you, whatever you want, okay? Do you think flood tunnels are going to stop them? Do you think 200 feet is going to stop them? They'll dig to the center of the earth. If they know where it is, they're going to get it. Yeah. So that flood tunnels, don't waste your time. 200 feet, just stop, please.
2: <laughs> okay. Well, there you go, Jim. I'm
0: sorry. I, I'm sorry, but no, if you don't think about stop about it apologizing
2: for being honest. <laughs> so. It
0: doesn't make any sense.
2: No, I agree, and I, I've said that to Jim in the past, and Jim's agreed with it. It's just, it's one of those things. You're like, really? I mean, we're talking a couple hundred feet down. It's just, it, it's insane thinking about I, them being able to do you, way back then.
0: Can I tell you why you and everybody else, and there's a part of me that still watches that show
2: because your hope, you hope that <laughs> you hope they find something.
0: Yes. It's it's this gene that we all have, that even if there's one millionth of a chance, that treasure – we hear the word treasure, and something triggers in our brains. I don't know what it is, but it's just, oh, God, I know that they'll never find me. It's impossible. It's solid. But they might. They just yeah. might. And we hang in there. Uh, even when well, all is lost, and and I, I think it's a genetic thing. I well, think and it's I, just, yeah, and but not I to do.
2: cut you off, but I think it's just like you know, I, my my sons. I've got three. Uh, I've got twelve uh, year old sons, and uh, when I I got them all metal detectors. And the funny thing is, it's like they don't care if they go to the beach. They, I live out in the woods. They're like, "Yeah, Dad, we're gonna walk around and we're gonna find treasure." Well, wait a minute, man, you're in the woods. Who lived here prior to us? I mean, these trees have been here forever. There was there was nothing here. It's just woods. We're gonna find treasure because that's that's the whole. And I sit back thinking, well, hey, you know what? Maybe there is treasure out there because nobody's lived here. What, what? So it's one of those things that go through your head. And yeah, it's the whole hunt hunting for treasure and possibly finding something that. That somebody lost hundreds and hundreds of years ago. It, and no matter how old you are, you're still a kid when it comes down to that.
0: Exactly. No. And hey, don't let me talk to your kids, okay? Just, just. <laughs> but, but I, it, you know what? It, it is, and I, 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 think there's a there's something about that that's absolutely wonderful, and you know, there, TV has picked up on it. I mean, treasure shows are popular, and um, when was the last time anybody found anything meaningful? Um, but it doesn't matter. We, we're all hopeful, and it's like that dream of, of finding. We don't even know what the treasure is. I bet if you asked your kid, okay, what what would the treasure be? They'd have a hard time even describing what they want to find. It's just treasure, right?
2: Well, my kids, my so, kids were psyched enough when they found an old Coca Cola can. They thought they thought they had hit like the Holy Grail. Yeah, it's so funny. It's from when somebody was building the house and you know put it down and they covered it with dirt. But they found a Coca Cola can and they're like, Dad, how old do you think it is?" I I don't know. Probably, well, the house has been here for twenty years, so maybe twenty five years. You think it's worth something? Well, (laughs) hang on, guys. It's a Coca Cola can. So, but yeah, it's. I
0: love it. Well, that's their treasure and. You know what? The bottom line is: is it was a fun experience for them. They learned. Something,
2: They'll always remember it.
0: And they have this wonder: Hey, who drank out of this can? How did it end up here? Yeah. I you mean, think isn't he's still that alive? <laughs> as exciting as some treasures, I, I think so. I think yeah.
1: so. Scott, we have a couple minutes before we have to go to break. Let's uh, kind of boil this down. What is the significance of the Kensington Stone?
0: Well, the significance is is that it's tied to look. The reality is the Kensington Runestone was the beginning, the true beginning of the founding of this country. And, you know, the, the question that many people have pondered is, did Freemasonry evolve directly from the Knights Templar? And the answer to that question is, of course. And, you know, I maybe I'll wait until after, you know, the break, but, you know, I, I have a little speech that I give, or just a little something about, You know, all of our founding fathers were Freemasons, pretty much all of them. And they were these great men that we have lionized in our culture to the point of near godlike status, right? And I ask people, I say, does the fact that they were all Freemasons have anything to do with their greatness? Now, I would answer yes. How many people do you think realize that these documents that we all hold dear in this country, like the Declaration of Independence... Um, our Bill of Rights, our Constitution, do they realize that those are Masonic documents? They don't. And it was these Knights Templar back in medieval times who were being persecuted because they wanted to have a place where they could think freely, where they could practice whatever religion they wanted, um, they didn't have to worry about tyranny of monarch uh, of monarchs telling people what to do, partnering with the church and controlling the masses. And that it was that effort, in part, by placing the runestone as that land claim. If they ever had to prove that they were here, which they never did have to prove, because they did it. They established this country, this free Templar state, that many in their group called the New Jerusalem, and it's called the United States of America. And what's really fascinating is what's happening right now. And I think more than ever, personally, and I'm biased, that the truth about what really happened, about what really happened in the founding of this country, people need to be reminded of that, and I'll tell you what, I thought Barack Obama was gracious in his farewell speech last night, and he expounded on a lot of the principles that um, served as the basis for the founding of this country, and I think we kind of have lost touch with that.
1: Um, let's go to the phones. We do have a, a listener call. This is our good friend Vince. Vince, welcome to Beyond Reality Radio.
3: Hey, guys. How you doing?
2: Good. How are you, Vince?
3: Well, it's not my time of year. But uh, that's all good.
2: January or uh,
3: or know, winter or uh, what? I don't. Uh, I don't agree. Don't, with, with with what? With your guest, uh, uh, Freemasons. You know, you guys are just throwing this out there, and you're throwing it out there like these Freemasons are like uh, some kind of devil, and they're not. Uh, well,
1: I don't think he was saying that at
2: all. No, because he's he's a Freemason. <sighs>
1: No, I think he was actually saying that they that was it was an organization that brought a lot of good things to what we enjoy now. Yeah, the Knights as Templar
3: American. did do a lot of good things. Yeah, yeah,
1: I think that's what he was talking about. So I think maybe and you do. And they agree.
3: escorted people uh, to and from uh, the places they needed to go, and did it with nothing. You know, they was out there fighting a war, and uh, everybody is coming down on Freemasonry like it's. Like bunch of like like they're a bunch of crazy people, but they're not.
2: No, and I I've never looked at them like that either. So uh, yeah, yeah they, of course they there's mean no harm. No, yeah. and there, there's of course there's been hidden hidden things uh, depending, but
3: uh, yeah, you can speculate on that.
2: Well, no, and I I think even beyond that, I investigated the Hellfire Caves, which was big with the Freemasons and some of the things they did there, but.
3: No. Or, investigated Grant Moore Cave. Hey, I don't Vin, think hey, any hey of you guys has seen that one. Hey, Vince, but I'm gonna tell you something. Vince,
1: guys- I gotta, Vince, I'm sorry, man. i got to cut you off. We got Scott back, and we only have about a minute left with him. And we want Scott— It's we had to Oh, trunk- I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. It happens. But tell people where they can get a hold of your books and see more of your work.
0: Oh, sure. Well, if you want to go uh, to—my uh, website is www.hookedx.com, spelled H-O-O-K-E-D-X.com. And um, Or you can go to my blog site if you want to ask me questions about anything. I've got some pretty pretty good uh, blog posts there, and um, I uh, enjoy talking with people there and be happy to answer any questions.
1: All right. Terrific. That's Scott, awesome. thanks so much. We're going to have you back on the program soon, I promise. It was a fascinating discussion. Uh, we, we, we had a great time talking and, and look forward to bringing him back. Yeah, thank, thanks so much for your time. Okay, let's go to our special line, and this is, of course, our special guest, as always, whenever he joins us on the show, it's uh, the amazing Faki. Welcome oh, yeah. to the show, Faki. Wonderful.
4: Hi, hi, Jason, JV, can you guys hear me?
1: Yeah, can hear you great. Yeah, yeah, we can.
4: Hello, I just wanted to call in and... I felt the need to call in. I tried to call in numerous times last week during the show. It was the best of, and, right. I, figured, and I assumed, well, best of is they definitely want me to call in because I'm one of the best of. Um, but nobody, nobody would answer my call.
1: Yeah, no, no. Best of meant that it was pre-recorded shows that we had already done and we were repeating them. Yeah, from the past.
4: Well, and, and I understand that, but I was going to call in to be on those because I'm one of the best of. So. Well. Uh, but I don't. I th- I really I think you guys might want to find somebody besides Slick Eddie. He he's just he's not really that good at answering phone calls. I could come and answer phone calls.
1: Did anybody answer your calls? No. Just kept Uh-oh. ringing. Yeah. Well, what, at
4: one. Point That's because nobody rang, was here. Yeah. For over three and a half hours.
1: Well, you should have hung I mean, up. I just kept yeah. Well, the show's only two hours. I'm surprised you stayed on
2: that long. It's crazy. Well,
4: I didn't know if you guys were before me or after me in time.
2: Okay. So what do you got?
4: Yeah. Well. I just wanted to call in because it's, it's going to be a great year, and I need to move on from some of the things I did in the past.
2: Like? Mm, like what?
4: Well, my singing career was really starting to take off, and I know you guys wanted to know more information on that. I decided to do one more song, and that was it. But it just I needed to move on and better myself.
2: Well, I think it's a smart move. Okay,
1: so you, we know Slick has told us that we did receive a file from you, so I know we have something to play. Do you have anything you want to say about it?
4: Well, this was my farewell to the singing tour where uh, I just wanted everybody to understand. And it was also a big shout out to my mom who is such an inspiration. Oh, that's nice. Um, and you're going to notice at points I say Focky Man versus the Amazing Focky because I think the Amazing fucky might have been really too much 2016.
1: Well, that's awesome. Okay, so you're saying now you're, you're ditching the amazing and you're going to go with just, Fucky Man as your new, uh, as your new
2: moniker? Just Fucky Man? Well, let's not say I'm
4: ditching the amazing. At this point, instead of using the amazing Fucky, I just chose to use the amazing man. No, Fucky Man. Okay. Okay, yeah, I chose to use Fucky Man. We'll, we'll see if it takes off. Um, so I want to see also if maybe I can be known as the Fucky Man
1: as well. Okay. Well, that sounds like a fair shot. So, uh, Jason, you want to do this now? Want to play the song now? Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess. If it's the last one, let's do it. Okay. Yes, I, I assumed you guys would. Yeah, that's, okay. That's All right, so this is Fahki's latest, and according to him, at this point, his last song release. Uh, here we go. My mom packed
5: my bags last night. Pre-flight. Zero hour, 9 a.m. And I'm gonna be high As a kite by then I miss the earth so much I miss my mom It's lonely out in space I'm such a let fly. ain't the kind of place to raise your kids there's no oxygen and you'll die anyway and there's no one there to raise them except maybe some aliens if you did
4: and all the science I'm just a psychic,
5: seven days a week. Fucky man, fucking man, fucky man,
2: fucking man,
5: fucky man, fucking man. man. And I think it's gonna be a long, long time Till touchdown brings me around again to, to fly I'm not the man. They think I am at home. Oh no, no, no! I'm a fucky man. Fucky, fucky man. You burn it out, excuse up here, all alone. Fucky And I think it's gonna be a long, long time till to touchdown break. all I can and I think it's gonna be a long long time and I think it's gonna be a long long time so my power's done and I think it's gonna be a long long time and I think it's gonna be a long long time And Foppy thinks it's gonna be a long, long time. So I'm probably right. And I think it's gonna be a long, long time. Till I finish these verses. And I think it's gonna be a long, long time. Who wrote this many verses? And I think it's gonna be a long, long time. Man, I love you, mom. This song is for all
2: Focky's fans. Yeah, it was wild. Well,
4: I just always want to make sure that I can help you guys. Uh, you guys keep on promoting the show and, and keep on making it build an audience, and uh, that all my fans tune in. Because honestly, if they didn't, I don't think you guys would have any callers or anything like that. So,
1: all right, thank you, the amazing Focky. Have a Thanks. great night. Thanks for listening. It's Beyond Reality Paranormal. We'll see you next time.